everyone, welcome to At This Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Lynn. Join me for conversations with people in the theater world. You never know who's going to show up or what we'll talk about. So silence your cell phones. The show is about to begin. My guest today wrote the book for my favorite musical, Bonnie and Clyde. He was also a writer and producer of the hit TV comedy series, The Nanny, and also wrote and produced another one of my favorite TV series. Please welcome... Ivan Menchel. Hi, Ivan. Hey, Jen. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm good. I met you during the Broadway run, Broadway run of Bonnie and Clyde. And yep, I remember it. Remember it well. They like literally was there all the time, whatever. And the first time that I actually met you was actually during intermission during one of the shows when you gave me your ticket. Because I saw that your seat was open. I was like, I asked one of the ushers, I was like, can I sit there? And they're like, well, that's the book writer's seat. And I'm like, so where's the book writer? Can I ask him if he's using his seat? Yep. And, I remember. And then I got a really great seat. <laughs> yeah. So God, thank you for that. I can't that. believe how long ago that is now. I know, right? It seems like it was just yesterday because every single time I walk by the Schoenfelds, I'm like, it's the Bonnie and Clyde Theater. But shows come and go. Uh, yes. Uh, yes, they do. I mean, like, it's had more it was became more popular after it closed and it's running in london now and it's it's been all over the world are you surprised by like the success after the broadway run yeah you know i mean it really was that was really thanks to youtube that was um you know i think uh there were a probably a couple of bootleg recordings which have gotten like ridiculous a ridiculous amount of views I mean, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views. And so it built up the following and and also the cast album, you know, did really well. And I think it just started to be done at schools. It started to be done, you know, all over the place. You know, a lot of colleges, a lot of art schools. And uh, and it just built up the following from there. So which was remarkable. And thank God for it. Yeah, definitely. And I was like, never letting the show die. <laughs> and especially now that everybody loves it, too. So. Let's jump into your TV career. You were a writer and producer of the long-running CBS comedy series, The Nanny. And yes. I mean, you must have had that show run for a very long time and you must have a ton of memories. Is there one that like sticks out in your mind as maybe not like a favorite, but like something that was like, maybe like a, you know, moment that you like you remember forever? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, it was, it was such an incredible time. Um, I remember when I first got there, and the first script I wrote for that show, I think it was Pamela Anderson, the Heather Biblo story or something. And uh, and we all get together for the table read. And there's Renee Taylor and Fran and, you know, and everybody. And it's sort of like, you know, basically being home for, for Seder. And they're all sitting around. They serve bagels and cream cheese and locks. And as you would expect at, you know, a nanny table read. And they start to read the script. And Renee and everybody, they're all eating these bagels while they're talking and i'm like i i don't understand how how are we doing this like they're they're eating while they're talking and they're like yeah that's pretty much how they're going to be doing it on on the show so get used to it 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 was just i'll never forget walking in and and seeing peter do warm-up that was one of the things i really loved we had i think a 16-piece band and normally before sitcoms, there's a there's a stand-up comic who gets the audience going. And for this, it was Peter, because he and Fran had such a history. 
and Peter was so wonderful with the audience. So you had this swing band playing and you had Peter talking about their past and it was just beautiful. It was, it really was like doing a show every week, you know, um, especially, you know, the, the multicam, which is really shot with a proscenium. It's, it's closer to theater than it is to anything else. So it was, it was just a fantastic experience to every week be writing a new show working on a new show, know that Thursday nights you're going to be filming, taping uh, in front of a live audience. It was a very exciting time. I'm really yeah, grateful it, for it. It's it's an iconic show now. It was iconic then. It's one of my favorite shows. I mean, it makes me laugh all the time. Whenever it's on a rerun, I'm like, got to sit down and watch The Nanny. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of people's guilty pleasure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You were also a writer-producer on one of my other favorite short-lived series, Time of Your Life. Oh, what was that? Oh, yes. I loved that show. Never saw the episodes that were unaired. So, like, I'm, like, in the middle of the season. It still never never got over it. I know it aired in, like, Europe or something like that. But, like, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't – I can't remember what, what how much of it aired. Um, I thought they aired the whole first season. Did they not? I don't – I it. just don't remember. Yeah, they it did. It was Jennifer Garner's first show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a spinoff for anybody that doesn't know about the series. It was a spinoff of Party of Five, Jennifer Love Hewitt's yeah. character, Sarah. So did you did you watch Party of Five? Did you have to do research on her character for this new series? Or? Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Because it was the same character that was yeah. then going off to live in the big city. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a, a, a beautiful looking show. Jennifer Garner was fantastic. And the two of them together were really wonderful. It had there were a lot of people who broke out from that show. Yeah, I can't remember any names right now, but um, it, it was uh, it was a good show. You know, there are so many reasons why shows live and yeah. die. Mm-hmm. Exactly, like theater. Um, yep. So it's yeah, it was short lived. Yeah, I loved that series, and yeah, because I uh, fan of Jennifer Love Hewitt, so pretty much whatever she's going to be on TV. Um. I'm going to, I'm going to be right there watching that. Yeah. So you studied at the Yale School of Drama. What was one of the most valuable things you learned there? Well, when I got there, because I I was writing comedy, my father was a stand-up comic and that's how I started uh, writing. Very, very small class. There were only, I think, six of us in the class and everybody else was heavy drama, you know, and it was Soyanka and Apple Bugard all these incredible writers, but it was all very heavy. And here I was wanting to write comedy. And I got really, um, really depressed early on because I just felt like what I was doing wasn't, you know, just wasn't, uh, wasn't really um, valued the same way. And I, and I had a wonderful teacher there who said, you know, instead of thinking about lowering what you want to write about to the level of comedy, Think about raising the level of comedy to what you want to write about. And that always stuck with me. You know, and the, the motto there was that playwriting can't be taught, um, but an environment may be created in which it can be learned. And that was very valuable to be with so many talented people, to have access to great teachers and actors and other writers. It, it was a really, really wonderful time where I got to really do nothing but write. I mean, it was such a luxury um, and a little bit of acting, badly, in the Yale Cabaret, as we, we, we would all venture out into other areas of, of the art form. But I really started back in Purchase uh, before that. Uh, my dad died in my sophomore year, and we used to do comedy together. 
And when he died, I wrote my first play. And that's what, uh, what sort of set me on the path of playwriting. Your first show, The Cemetery Club, premiered on Broadway in, was it 1990? Oh my gosh. 1990? Yeah, I was, I think I was 20, I was late 20s, so something like that. Yeah. Later, you were the screenplay for the movie. Did you intend for it to be a movie later on? No, of course not. I, uh, you know, I just, it started as a one act play called Fall, Fall was Abe's Favorite Time of Year um, that Stan Tucci did at purchase. And, uh, and then it became the full length Cemetery Club. And then, no, we were down at the Kennedy Center and it was optioned by Disney and it just took on a life of its own. And it's still, uh, there must be about anywhere from 50 to 100 productions done a year. Yeah, uh, I think here. they recently just did one in was it in Florida. I read somewhere that they were doing they were doing it somewhere. It's always exactly yeah, it's, it's always around. It's always on somewhere. <laughs> yes, there's uh, there there's a lot of love for that, and yeah. um, and it's a very special piece to me because it was the first play I ever wrote. Yeah, I mean that's that's like like so awesome though. Like something that you wrote is like still being performed like you know all over at any time of year. And and that's the beauty of theater, you know, as opposed to film and television, which tends to age, even great shows, you know, you look back at 10, 20 years ago, and, you know, very often they're dated and appreciated as a as a moment in time where theater is constantly present, it's constantly reinvented, and and relevant to what's going on today, if it's produced, um, it's always going to reflect you know, the, the time that it's being done in and, and not not just the time it was written. You also worked on the musical Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which I did not see, actually. Well, you didn't write the book for that. You contributed additional material. And I want to be honest with you, I never understood the additional material thing. Like, what is that? Like, what does that mean? Explain that to um, me. I can't, the show had opened and was running at the Palladium. They knew it was going to go to New York. Uh, they felt that it needed work. So I came in and rewrote it while it was up at the Palladium. And it was a fascinating process because they didn't take the show down. So I rewrote it while it was still running. And so I would have an, uh, you know, my, my basic overarching rewrite and idea. And then as they would replace an actor, they would put in the new material. So I would, I would rewrite for it to meld with what was going on. And then rewrite again when the next actor came in and then rewrite again when the next actor came in until it was rewritten that way. It was a very strange process. So there was no readings. There were no um, tryouts. You know, I would write something and then wait to see if 2000 people laughed at it. It was a little terrifying, Just but it was it a great experience. Great experience. Wow, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, no, because every single time I'm like, oh, go playable. It's like digital material. And I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it can mean different things. Yeah. But in that case, it was uh, coming in and rewriting. That's very interesting. I like I like that, though. That's OK. So you were also the recipient of the Fulbright Fellowship for your playwriting. So that took you to Israel, where you lived there for a while and you actually wrote. What did you, what I did did. you write there? Um, I uh, full, uh, So it was a Fulbright and you go... Uh, and study and um, and it depends what you're going for, what discipline, what uh, what subject. But um, I went there. I studied theater at Tel Aviv University, uh, which was a great experience. I was fluent in Hebrew, so 
it was a wild experience to take a, a Shakespeare class and there would be people who would be reading it in, in English, in French, in Hebrew, in Arabic, and then discussing it all in Hebrew. And it really, I mean, talk about the universality of the theatrical experience. I mean, that really was it. And being Jewish, you know, it was an incredible time for me to sort of get in touch with my roots, with my history. And so basically, I, I, was, I was at Tel Aviv University studying and writing. And then I found out I was going to, I got into Yale, into the drama school. So I decided, okay, I'm going to leave Tel Aviv University. I got an apartment in, in the city, in Tel Aviv, in a great little area. It's like the Soho of Tel Aviv. And I just would go down to the bus station, get on the next bus, wherever it was going, and then just start writing about my experiences there. And also, it, it's where I did the beginning work on Cemetery Club. Awesome. Yeah. That must have been like the greatest experience for you, or one of them. I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah. It really was to have That's a year cool. in a country like that. Was Bonnie and Clyde the first period piece that you wrote? Um, as far as I history? I had done an off-Broadway show called Smiling Through, and that was set in World War I and World War II. It followed the career of a, of a woman, of a music hall performer. Um, so I'd done that, but that was with pre-existing material songs, World War II songs, British music hall songs. And I'd done The Prince and the Pauper. That would count as period. Mm-hmm, um, like, yes. And then Bonnie and Clyde. So no, mm-hmm. not the first, but okay. uh, certainly the first in, in that era. In that era. <laughs> All right. And so was it was it challenging to make Bonnie and Clive like a romantic story because they're infamous bank robbers and that's what we know them as. So to like kind of make this a romantic story was was that challenging? It wasn't. It was actually my way in. In fact, wait, I'll be right back. Okay. All right. <laughs> Cuz I get asked this a lot. Okay. And I just happened to have it here. So this was the book. Let's see. Mm-hmm. That was the yeah. book okay. that really got me into it. And it's it's a bizarre book because it's uh, Bonnie and Clyde as told by Bonnie's mother and Clyde's sister. Um, so they wrote this together and it had a lot of their letters, you know, my, I mean, all of this, you know, uh, all of these love letters to each other. So it, it was such a strong love story. I mean, it was a psychotic love story. But it it was very, very powerful. And that actually is what got me in because the movie was its own iconic thing. And that focus, you know, on sort of creating a genre and the bloodshed and the, uh, the that insanity of it. And obviously that was not going to work on stage um, and there was no need for it. So it was really the moments between the holdups. It was it was seeing them as kids, as you know, cracked innocence that sort of bloomed into this sociopathic behavior. And and that's what I was interested in is, is seeing that journey. Yeah. I mean, just from like what you written and Frank's music, Don's lyrics, I mean, there's just the whole thing really kind of uh, humanizes them. I guess, like, instead of just, like, reading about them with their bank robberies and Jack's just, like, a little quick overview of Bonnie and Clyde where people just think that, like, oh, well, they were bad people. And, yeah, they did rob banks. <laughs> if you look at, like, they and they at, killed you at, 13 and they, people. Yeah, they, they did. Yep. And, you know, in that time period where, you know, where depression was going on and, and everything, but you guys did a great job with that show. Oh, Obviously, I love it. <laughs> 
Thank you. Yeah, I, Don's lyrics I adore. I mean, they're they're just so they're so perfect of of their time for the characters. And Frank's music is awesome. Oh yeah, I mean, one of my favorite songs is "Too Late to Turn Back Now," especially mm -hmm. like well, you know, like just That's how it's too, yeah. yeah, just how it starts off when Bonnie's like, you know, I gotta get out while I still can, you know, and it's like that you know moment in the show and stuff where she like realizes like what's going on but she loves Clyde so much that she stays yeah I mean they they were just I mean they really were meant for each other um I don't know that either one of them could have been with anybody else and they fed off each other mm -hmm. in good ways and bad so yeah they brought out the best and worst in each other <laughs> so how how many musicals have you and Frank written together four the Matahari Excalibur, Death Note, Bonnie and Clyde. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah. yeah. And maybe one more coming. We'll see. Yeah. Listen, I will take musicals from you guys all day long, <laughs> all year long. Keep, keep doing what you guys are doing. Ah, thanks. You co-wrote the movie Blended starring mm -hmm. Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Yep. And that was their third, was their third movie together? Right? It was. It was yes. it, yeah. After the Wang Singer and Fifty First Dates. Did you feel like you had to kind of like compete with the first two movies that were so successful? We were uh my writing partner Claire Sarah, who I adore. I adore. We've written a bunch of films together, a bunch of screenplays. We were just so thrilled to be sort of part of Hollywood history. You know, we we just we were just really, really excited to be writing for you know this hollywood couple on-screen couple and uh and the fact that they wanted it to be their third movie was just terrific yeah we were it was a very exciting time yeah like oh write a movie for adam sandler and, and drew barrymore no it's fine i'll pass we had actually written it uh before, we had written it ourselves just you know without anybody attached and then when adam read it he was the one who called up drew and said i found our third movie Awesome. That's so cool. Okay, so you also were writer and co-executive producer on a few Disney Channel shows, Still the Future and yeah. Jonas. How'd you get yeah. involved with Disney, Disney TV series? I can't remember. Uh, I, you know, I think they came to me after The Nanny. I'm not, I can't really remember. But, mm -hmm. um, and, and the people I worked with, uh, we probably knew each other from before. And um, Still the Future led to Jonas. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were both a lot of fun. And writing for Disney is also, it, 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 it's its own animal. It's like writing television in the 1950s, you know, because all the things you can't say, can't do, can't show, you know. And, and it, so, you know, that was basically three years of just trying to see how many jokes you could sneak in to a script. Yeah, I'll never forget the, uh, where, uh, it was one where Phil, Phil was, was in a thrift store. He was looking for a present for his parents and um and he comes across a salad bowl and tongs that somebody had made for their anniversary and on the tongs it said happy anniversary here's to 25 years of tossing my salad and um you know so it was things like that that we would try to get in all the time <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're an elvis presley fan right oh yeah yeah i worked on heartbreak hotel in vegas with calhoun that was that was a blast. That was a what, blast. What do you love about Elvis? Oh, good question. Well, the sound, 
and the energy, I think, you know, just the whole, that vibe, you know, I did so much research when we were doing the show and, and I think just his love and the way he fused the gospel and the rock and the soul and the jazz and to create this sound that was, that feels so uninhibited, you know, it feels so free, especially at a time when everything was pretty tight. Love that. Love that. We had a huge earthquake in the middle of shake, rattle and roll, believe it or not, in Vegas with the speakers flying around. And oh, yeah, it was wild. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Do people think that the people do like know that an earthquake was happening or was like part of the. uh, Okay, it was like a noticeable. No, it was there was no question. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was like, I don't know, 10 seconds or so. And then we went back. They just they just kept some of the actors on stage didn't know. And others did because it, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to an earthquake, but living in LA, I've been through tons of them. And, you know, you could be sitting here and be shaking like crazy. And the person sitting facing that way, not moving at all, depending on how the, the earth is rolling. Wow. Um, but, you, you know, you saw those, those massive speakers just swinging from chains and it was it was wild. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank goodness nobody got hurt. So. Yeah. Thank goodness, but oh my gosh. But kind of an ironic time for it to happen. Yeah, that no, was a great, great during that number. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Would have not have had the, the same effect during Hound Dog, but Yeah, or Love Me Tender. <laughs> or Love Me Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so tell me about the show that you're working on with Deaf West Theater, Love Lies and What Could Be. Well, the first thing I'll tell you about is that that is not the title. That was just a placeholder. Okay. Terrible title. <laughs> um, uh, so the title of the show is Elephant Shoes. Okay. And Elephant Shoes is a lip reading homonym. Uh, if you see somebody say Elephant Shoes and can't hear what they're saying, it looks exactly like I love you. And so it's a story of a deaf tech whiz who falls in love with a hearing woman who in turn falls in love with his hearing coda roommate. So it's very loosely based on Cyrano and it's a beautiful story. And as I said, Jeff is directing, which is so fantastic. Um, We just found out where we will be premiering next year. I cannot tell you that yet, but we will have a world premiere. It looks like next April. And Carolyn Kay wrote the music. And Carolyn is somebody that I actually discovered on Twitter. After, after I did Bonnie and Clyde, after, once Bonnie and Clyde was in rehearsal in London, you know, I started following certain actors and, you know, you know how the algorithm works. And then all of a sudden on my feed, you know, this uh, Carolyn Kay shows up. And it was still just at the tail end of COVID. And so I went to her account, I went to her Instagram account, and I see all these sort of one minute songs that she's done. And I just fell in love with the music. Um, uh, the songs are just great. They're sort of, uh, I would say, in the Sarah Bareilles school. She's Irish, living in London. And so I said, do you want to meet for lunch? And we did. And I said, uh, how would you like to write a musical together? And I had this idea. And here we are. Wow. Well, that's definitely something that I want to see. I enjoyed the Deaf West production of Spring Awakening a lot. Mm-hmm. And I... Now I just want to see like productions that they do that come, especially if they come to the New York City. Area. And what and what's great about this is, you know, a lot of those productions, most of the productions people have seen have been deaf productions of hearing musicals. 
this, the characters, there are three characters that are deaf. So there will be uh, the lead, David, who's played by Daniel. Um, did you see Coda? Yeah, Daniel Durant. Yeah, so, so, the, yeah, so the brother. And um, so there are two or three numbers that he signs and you read the lyric and then the melody is played on a cello. So you will never hear those songs sung. I love that. And they're, it is so powerful and it is so beautiful. And, and we play around a lot with how, how scenes and songs are presented in the show. Um, we have songs that are a duet between somebody singing and somebody texting. We have all kinds. And it, it's really unusual. It's, it's a real challenge, but it's, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And I love Deaf West. Yeah. I'm so excited about this. Yeah, if you do if you do a workshop in New York, I need an invite. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, yeah, I think so. we're done with the workshop. We did yeah. we did our industry presentation mm-hmm. and it went so well and we awesome. everything it just came right after that. Kind of like Bonnie. I mean, you know, yeah. same thing. We we got a lot of interest. We have one of the best theaters in the country that is going to premiere it. So, knock on wood, we're in a good place. We'll be on the lookout for that. Similar journey as Bonnie's. That's all I will tell you. All right. Awesome. Okay. And before we get to our last question, I just want to remind everyone, they can go to atthispperformancepodcast.com to listen to past episodes. And if you like what you hear, you can support this podcast by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash at this podcast. And so where can people go to find out more about you? You can call my mom. <laughs> uh really uh probably my instagram account i don't really have any i don't have a website i don't yeah uh, I, I i've never even done a wikipedia entry you know it's just it's not just not anything i've ever sort of done i probably should but um yeah my instagram is probably the best place okay i have a lot of cool stuff on there so yeah, yeah. oh yeah no yeah exactly well listen this is where the, my my research is pretty much solely based on instagram because everybody posts things on instagram you know um and everything so but thank you so much it was an honor having you on the show because i admire your work so much i admire you so much so thank you so much for sitting down with me oh well thank you and you know how i adore you (laughs) you have been such a support and such a fan um (laughs) through it all so it's really it's you and people like you that have uh that have put funny where it is and we start our tour in what two weeks? Yeah. And I'll be. I'm going to go to London. I will see it at the uh, Yvonne Arnaud. I think on the 29th. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yes, so awesome. And my mom yeah. will see it for the first time. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. And then uh, hopefully Death Note will be up next. So we have uh, fingers, crossed. fingers crossed for that. It's yeah. looking really good. Awesome. And hopefully we'll have some news very soon about that. Stay tuned to Ivan's Instagram for all of the latest news. (laughs) Take care. Thank you so much. And hopefully I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.